You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. Well, why don't you have a seat? We are uh, back in uh, our series in Genesis this morning. If you're joining us online, uh, we want to welcome you to join us that way. And uh, this uh, Sunday is is kind of a cool Sunday when we think about our relationship with GCC. Uh, This afternoon, uh, Edmonton is going to launch their church uh, for the first time uh, this afternoon. So we're excited about the core group that the Lord has brought about there and they're launching today. And then uh, Redemption Red Deer is installing their own elders uh, today. And uh, one of our elders, Adam, is up there uh, praying over them uh, as they get installed today. And it's also our 12th anniversary today. So uh, so it's kind of an exciting day uh, for, for our church family. And uh, I'm really excited to get back into Genesis again uh, this morning. There's so much here. And uh, we, we're going to go, um, we're going to try to cover all six days of creation uh, except for humanity, that's going to take two weeks uh, coming up here. But but we're going to look at we're going to look at uh, verses three through twenty five. I want to just remind us of the things that we've learned last week. We saw the wisdom of the divine order. In other words, we saw that that um, God is the one who has brought life to uh, this creation, um, and uh, we're going to be looking at that particularly this morning. We seen last week that uh, the reality of divine origins, in other words, that God created the heavens and the earth. That's how we got here. This is how it came about. And then we, 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 as we ended last week, we talked about the fact that God is sovereign over his creation, and then secondly, that he intends to dwell with man. And we looked at that from Genesis through Revelation just in a quick overview. And this morning, we're going to look at creation. And, and as I pray that your heart would be the same as, as we study this morning. But by the time we're done this morning, you'd be like, praise God. Like, he is awesome. Like, that should be our end of this time. As we look at these verses, like that you should, you're, uh, hopefully your, your, your idea of who God is will just be expanded, that you'll be reminded once again that he is great, that, that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. So the same God who spoke creation into existence is the same God who is with us today. And as we talked about last week, laying these foundations, he knows the past so, and he knows the future, and so we have hope here for the present. So I want to just get into it. So before we do, let me pray for us one more time, and we're going to get into the text. God, we, uh, we are so thankful this morning that, Lord, you have revealed yourself to us. God, we are so um, thankful for your word today. God, as we think about it, um, what a privilege it is, Lord, to, to read, Lord, your revelation to us. God, we pray this morning as we study, God, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us understanding? Lord, would you help us not to just know these things in our minds, but Lord, would you help us to apply these truths to our lives each and every day? God, you are our creator. We believe that this morning. By faith, we believe that all that is seen was created by you. And God, I would pray for every heart here this morning, Lord, that by the time they're done, they would worship you. And that, Lord, um, we would recognize that whatever we're facing, Lord, we can give it to you knowing that you are more than powerful enough to deal with what it is that we're dealing with today. And so, God, would you lead us in this time? Would you speak through this preacher? For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, maybe you forgot it running out the house this morning, or uh, maybe you don't have one. Whatever the case may be, just slip up your hand. The ushers would be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. Really simple, as we're in the book of Genesis, just turn to the start, okay? So Genesis chapter 1, and as I mentioned, we're going to read verses 3 through 25. 
and then we're going to break it down together. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and, the fruit, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons for, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two, the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly upon the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seeds and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. As we think about creation, it is... It is really hard to wrap our minds around. As we, as we study the text this morning, I pray that you're just going to be like in awe of what God has done. And as we think about, okay, so, so what, how does that apply to me today? I, I think at the end of the day that what, what we need to remember is that the same God who did this is the same God that's with us today. And no matter what you're going through today, you can put your hope and trust in him. And so if you're worried this morning, first remember this, he brings order to the chaos. He brings order to the chaos. Sometimes the world can feel like it's chaotic. Does anyone relate to that? I mean, the last three years haven't really been that way, but before it was that way, right? No, it, it's, it seems like in some ways it's got like to a whole new level. Now, there was, a, there was an article uh, put out recently of what Canadians fear right now. And see if you can relate to what kinds of things people are fearing. 68% uh, of Canadians fear bogus online information. 65% fear climate change. 63% fear cyber attacks. 58% are concerned about inflation. 57% are, uh, are concerned about the spread of infectious diseases. All right, there's, there's, there's those, those were some of the top ones. And you're, you're be like, I, none for me. I got out of that group. I'm, I'm good. But there's all things that we, we all kind of have our own worries, right? We all have our own kinds of fears. And if we focus on those things, sometimes it can seem overwhelming. 
And I want us to be reminded of the fact that no matter what we're facing today in 2022, if we keep our eyes on the God who is over it all, if we keep our eyes on the God who is the creator over it all, then we can walk through each day knowing that we can cast our burdens upon him, knowing he cares for us. And so as we, as we get into the text this morning, we, I want us just to kind of remember verse 2, which talked about the fact that the earth was both formless and, and void, right? It was empty. And what we're going to see as we look at the text this morning is that there's a forming and filling. Oh, Rory, why don't you throw that, that, uh, that graphic up? Now you see here, this is really fascinating if you think about like, what, what God is doing here. The, there's, there's so much order here as we think about this text. First, we see the forming. That's going to be in verses 3 through 13. You see first... He, he speaks into the darkness and there's light. He separates the light from the darkness. Then we're going to see that he creates both the sea and the sky. Then lastly, he's going to bring about dry land and vegetation. That's the forming. It is, it is making a place where life can now exist. As we talked about this last week, the, 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 the original beginning of creation, there was no life. It was uninhabited. It was desolate is another way of putting it. But now God has made a way for life to come about. And then we see in the verses of 14 through 25, God then fills those spaces. First, in the light, in the, in the heavens, he uses the lights of day and night. In the sea and the sky, of course, he fills the sea with fish and he fills the skies with birds. And then on the dry land, he puts both land animals and as we're going to look at next week, human beings, all right? And, and we're going to take, as I mentioned before, we're going to take a couple of weeks to, to talk about that. So you see this structure, even in the beginning, you see there's order. There, there's, there's, as, as, you, as you look at the whole text, there's, it's really fascinating, the perfect number that the Jews would have understood was seven, right? It's, it's seven. The first verse has seven words. The second verse has 14 words. As you continue to, to look at the, this, this first chapter, you see that there's also seven times it is said, and it was so. Seven times God saw that it was good, very good. The heavens are mentioned 21 times, again, a multiple of seven. Earth is mentioned 21 times. 35 times, again, a multiple of seven, God is mentioned. And even as we're looking at here, there's this ABC, ABC. So like even in this first chapter, there's like, look at the God of order. He's bringing order. Some, as we looked at last week, see it as chaos. He's bringing order out of chaos. So, Let's look, at the, let's look at the text here. How does creation come about? Through the words of God. That's how it comes about. He speaks and creation comes about. Look down at your verses here. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Verse 9. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And what? And it was so. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. He speaks, and it happens. What, what, what kind of God do we serve that he is able to just speak it, and it comes about? As we think about the word of God, and Genesis through Revelation, in that light of that. We need to understand that God's word is always effective. It always fulfills the purpose for which God sends it. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Land, light, air, all come about simply by God willing it to come about and speaking it into existence. He is the author of life. All that there is came about because God said it, and it was so. Like, how are we going to measure that scientifically? 
That, that's immeasurable, right? And as we're going to see in a little bit, it has to be taken by faith that this is how it happened. God's will is irresistible. When he commands and wills something to happen, it happens exactly as he desires it to happen. There are no exceptions. So when God says, let there be light, then there is light. When he says, let the dry land appear, it appears. Now just consider the power and knowledge needed for this to take place. I like what Kidner has to say here. Our commands, now look, you and I comparing ourselves to God, which is quite a joke, honestly, if we think about it, but let's just pretend. Our commands, even at their most precise, are mere outlines. They rely on existing materials and agencies to embody them. And the craftsman himself works with what he finds to produce what he only knows in part. Now compare this to the creator. The creator, on the other hand, in willing an end, willed every smallest means to it, his thought shaping itself exactly to the least cell and atom and his creative word wholly meaningful. One might also express this immediacy of knowledge by saying that he knows each mode of created existence by experience. Only experience is too weak a word. He knows it all together. Like you think about science and, and how we're growing in our, in our understanding of, of things, things like DNA, right? Like we're just kind of figuring that out in, in, in this in the last decade or two here. Like God knew that all along. We think about cells and atoms that, that are needed to make up a person, to, to make up any living entity, like God knew that all along. He knows every intricacy, no matter how small, nor, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, no matter how great. Like he knows it all, and he just simply spoke that into existence. He does it in, in such a brief way. Land, yeah, boom, land. Right? Sea, sea, sky, sky. I mean, like, but they think about the intricacies of that and that he simply spoke that into existence. There's a reason why when, when Job is saying, hey, hey, I'd like to speak to God and challenge him on a, on a few things here. There's a reason that God says to him, okay, let's start with creation, Job. Let's start there. Let's, let's see if you are worthy to question me. He says in Job 38, 4 and 5, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Really? Really? You think that you can question me and what I do? None of us are worthy to question our great God. He is our creator. And to, to, for you and I, and let's be honest, we do this, for you and I to kind of think that we're on a level with him where we can kind of banter back and forth is, is the furthest thing from the truth. Now, at the same time that he would even hear you and I is an incredible thing. The gospel is... An amazing thing. But when he speaks, it happens. We see the power of the word of God at creation, but we see the power of the word of God all through the Bible, do we not? Uh, long before Israel is ever in Egypt, God says they will be there for 400 years. And guess what? They were there for 400 years. When God warned that they would be taken out of the promised land if they sinned and rebelled against him, and he told them exactly how it was going to come about, guess what? It came about exactly that way. When he said, you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years, guess what? He was in, that they were in Babylon for 70 years. When God says, I'm sending my son to this earth, and this is where he's going to be born, and this is exactly who he's going to be, guess what? Every Thing is fulfilled exactly as he said it would be. 
Everything God says comes to fruition. This is why it's important that you and I would know the word of God if we were to have hope today. If we're going to have direction today, we need to know that he is the one who is over it all. Not just the past, not just the present, but the future as well. 2 Peter 3, 7, he says this, By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. As he pointed back to original creation, he said the same word they came about, guess what? These same heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Like, creation will go exactly as God says it will go. We do not need to fear things like climate change. There is going to be climate change, definitely. You see that? The heavens are, and the earth are stored up for fire. But we need not lose sleep over creation because we know the creator. We are here because God wills it so. From beginning to end, he is over it all. And with his word, he declares that which is true. It says in Hebrews eleven three, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The Lord spoke these things into existence. Walkie says this, God's word in conjunction with his spirit is irresistible and creative. Consequently, it overcomes chaos and emptiness. It was true then, it is true today. As we continue to think about creation, God created a world of boundaries, of limits, and separation. Light is separated from darkness. God separated the waters from Sorry, sorry, to some being above the expanse and some being below the expanse. Like, stop and think about, like, what was that beforehand? If you, if you, like, when you think about creation, it's just like, what, what? What did that look like? So there's this, this dense water above the darkness of the waters. Like, what, what did that look like? But all we know for sure is he takes the waters to be above and the waters below. Now we have a sky and seas, and then he separates the land from the waters. He's making a place for life to be able to exist. In Proverbs 8, 29, we read that he assigned seas their limits so that the waters might not transgress his command. Conditions are developing for a a place for life. Then he says this, a greater, play, a greater light is placed in the sky to rule over the day, and then a lesser light and stars are to rule over the night to separate the light from the darkness. With the separation of each part of creation, each will play a unique role in creation. Isn't that incredible? Like each thing has a unique role to play in creation. It has limits to each one. Walkie says this, boundaries are important in both the created and social orders. When everything keeps to its allotted place and does not transgress its limits, there is order, not chaos. Why why are we not like just hurtling through space right now? Because God has created the world with order. They're, as they, scientists try to determine, like, why does gravity work as way it does and all these different things, it's because God has created it in such a way that there is order and not chaos. It's interesting, again, as we think about the original audience, it's Israel in the wilderness before going into the promised land. And these Thoughts about separation. Did they have any other talk about separation in, in Genesis through Deuteronomy? Did we see that anywhere else? Like, like over and over again, right? You're to be separate from the lands around you. So I want you to eat these foods and not these foods. I want you to do these things and not these things. You're not to worship the gods that they worship. You are to be separate, set apart from all other nations. Just as God calls you and I to be today. 
We are to be separate from the world. We're not to be people who walk according to the flesh, but we are to be people who walk according to the Spirit. As we, again, think about these, these first three, three days, we also see God calling different elements by name. He called the light day. He called darkness night. He called the expanse heaven. He called the dry land earth. The water he called seas. As we think about the ability to call a name, there it, it, it indicates dominion. Walkie says this, naming an indication of dominion reveals God as the supreme ruler. Even the negative elements of the procreated state, darkness, and chaotic waters are under his dominion and brought within his protective restraints. God has dominion over his creation. He rules over it. This was an important thing for, for Israel to note. Okay, again, remind, be reminded, we talked about this a little bit last week, but, but there is being taught everywhere other than Israel at this time that there's the God of the sun, there's the God of the moon, there's the God of the seas, and, and there's all these other things. And what he is saying over and over again here is that he is God and there is no other. Thank you, brother. He is the one over creation. As we go through the, the book of, or sorry, the, go through the Old Testament, you see that the, the pagan nations all around them, for example, in Jonah, they are in rough shape on the seas. So what does everyone on the ship do? They cry out to Yahweh. Is that what they do? No, they cry out to their gods. We got to cry out to the gods of the sea. Somebody is messed up, and they're angry right now. And so they're tossing us around. And, and Jonah, what is he doing? He's having a good nap, right? He's sleeping. Everyone else is freaking out. And they wake him up, and he's like, oh, yeah, um, it's Yahweh. And, and what does he call him? Jonah 1.9. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Do you see how all these things that we're talking about today are foundations? They're foundations for everything through the scriptures. He's like, oh yeah, I know the God who actually made the sea and the dry land. Not, not whoever you're crying out to. Because you've been crying out and guess what? Nothing's happened. And so they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, toss me over because I've kind of messed up. If you toss me over, then, uh, then everything will be fine. And that, what? They toss him over, and the sea is stilled. God is the one over creation. That's important for you and I to remember again this morning. Every, every little bit of creation, God is sovereign over it. Do you trust him this morning? Do you believe that he is the one who spoke the earth into existence? Whatever you're facing today, whatever trial you have, do you see God as that powerful? Or do you feel like, oh, I don't know if God can handle this situation that I'm dealing with right now. I'm doubting. I'm, I'm wrestling. I, I'm, I'm anxious. If that's the case this morning, I want to just encourage you, look again to who he is. He is a God who just says, let there be light, and there's light. There's nothing too hard for our God. So when you're anxious, remember, he brings order to the chaos. Secondly, he brings life to the lifeless. He brings life to the lifeless. As we think about the filling of the earth, as we think about, again, the, the graph here, the days one through three were the forming, and then days four through six is the filling of the earth. He placed the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavens. That's the first thing he does. Note, does he call it the sun and the moon? I, I think there's intentionality there. He says there's a greater light to rule the day and there's a lesser light to rule the night. Why is he doing that? Again, think about the idolatry that is taking place probably even amongst the people of Israel before this. 
They're like, oh, the sun. We worship the sun, S-U-N. Still people all over the world today worship the S-U-N, sun, not the son of God, but the sun. And the moon. Think about horoscopes and astrology and all this kind of craziness. People are like, oh, what am I supposed to do today? I got to flip into my horoscope and see. Like, and he's like, the greater light, the lesser light. God created both of them. One is to rule over the day, one is to rule over the night, and the stars are there as well. It's almost like a sigh because stars were worshiped as well, and the stars are there too. He is the one who made it all. And they are commanded by God to perform specific tasks. They are to separate light from darkness. They are also to be signs and for seasons and for days and years, and they are to give light to the earth. This is their task that they've been given. Every part of creation has a particular role to play. And so there are to be signs for seasons, for days, for years, to give light to this earth. They are creation, not God's. Only Yahweh is to be worshiped. Day five, God fills the earth with living creatures, both the great and small, each according to their kinds. He also creates birds to fly above the earth across this expanse of the heavens. They too are under God's dominion and authority and are given a task. What's the task that they are given? Verse 22, God blessed them and says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and and let birds multiply on the earth. That's their job. Birds and fish and all the creatures of the sea, they are to multiply. God is placing his blessing upon them and saying, this is your task. This is your role. This is we're going to see humanity next week. That's their role, to multiply, be blessed and multiply and fill the earth. Day six, we see God now filling the earth with land animals. And they're described as livestock and creeping things and beasts on the earth, each according to their kinds. And then, of course, humanity is placed on the earth. And we're going to look at that more in detail in the weeks to come. It is the Lord who is the one who's responsible for bringing about all life on this earth. Every single living entity on this earth has been brought into being by God and him alone. As he brings about the life, you, you see that he does so according to kinds. Like just look at some of these verses. Uh, think about the vegetation. It says, The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, according to what? According to their own kinds. Right? Apple trees don't have oranges. And trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kinds. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. Again, think of the order that God is doing here. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. Every single thing is created with a particular purpose in mind. God is a God of order. God is the one who brings life. Matthew says this, inherently, the created order possesses divinely imposed limitations that establish self-maintained and governed systematic categories. The Hebrews experienced limitations and prescriptions that God governed their daily lives as part of the community of God. The great architect of the universe does not permit the colors of his canvas to run together. That, that might be one of the reasons you might want to relook into evolution, right? But I won't get distracted there, okay? But God has ordained a particular way for this world to function. And when creation rebels against that function, how does it go? Does it turn out well for creation when it rebels against its created order? It does not turn out well for it. We're going to see that in the next couple of weeks. But God has structured the world such that 
when it's operating as it should, it receives blessing, as we've seen in verse 22 and as we'll see in verse 28. And this idea of blessing, again, this was so important for the original audience. The same God who blessed the, the animals to be able to continue to multiply and, and blessed Adam and Eve, he's the same God who says there's a blessing upon the land that they're about to enter. They're entering a, a, a promised land and they will be blessed as they go in there. But then there's also this expectation that they will follow God, and if they do not, it will not turn out well for them. You think about Abraham and Sarah and their descendants. They become a numerous people. Why? Because God blesses them, and they are multiplied on the earth. Cursing is the result of those who do not walk in obedience to him. God is over all of life. Do you believe that this morning? Again, as we think about how we might be anxious or, or troubled today, and we think about the Creator, consider what Jesus instructed on the Sermon on the Mount. He said this in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? She's like, hey, if you're anxious today, don't be anxious and then what does he do? He points them to creation. So he begins by saying, look at the birds of the air. Do you see them? Do you, do you see how they don't have a plan like you have a plan? And yet the heavenly father feeds them? Then he pointed to the lilies to, to show how beautiful they grow and to say that not even the richest man, Solomon, was clothed like one of these. And then he says, if God clothes the grass so great, greatly, will he not take care of us? If God takes care of his creation in this way, will he not also take care of you? Our focus should not be on those things, but again, on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get your eyes on the one who is over his creation. What a great reminder as we think about Inflation, interest rates, all these things that you hear on your headlines over and over again. Do you feel a little anxious as you flip on the news? Maybe, maybe just don't flip on the news. That might be a good solution. But it's gonna, you know, we kind of want to know what's going on, but, but maybe we don't want to know what's going on because ultimately at the end of the day, you need to just keep your eyes on the Lord. Only he knows where we're going. Not even the Bank of Canada knows where we're going, Okay. God knows where we're going, and so keep your eyes on him. He is the creator. This is, as Jesus pointed out, he is the one over the birds and the lilies, and he's over you, and so look to him. And then, as we look at the, this, 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 this account here of creation, notice that again and again, there's an evaluation being done. And as the evaluation is done, what is the declaration? What does he say about his creation? It is good. Tov is the Hebrew word. It can indicate that which is happy, beneficial, aesthetically beautiful, morally righteous, preferable, superior quality, ultimate value. These are all words that can describe the word good. The one who is the creator is also the judge. He determines that which is good and that which is bad, that which is good, that which is wickedness. He is the creator over this world. He alone has that kind of authority. He had that kind of authority in, in declaring then, again, we say, think about Israel, that the land was good, that they were going to enter, but that also, morally speaking, if they did not walk according to his ways, it, it would not turn out well for them. God, who created us, determines how life should operate. We do not get to determine that which is good and that which is not good. That's not in our role as humanity. I don't know how many times as a pastor I hear this, but you, pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. My situation is a little bit different, and I've determined that living with my boyfriend or girlfriend is good. Like financially, you know, it's, it's, 
it's better for us. You know, um, we really do love each other. You know, the whole marriage thing, we're definitely on that page. Someday that's definitely going to happen. Does the Lord declare that good? He does not declare good. I don't care what your excuse is. You do not have that kind of authority. Everything that the word says is wickedness is wickedness. And we need to humble ourselves over our creator, under our creator, and say what he says is good is good. What he says is bad is bad. The question this morning is this, do you believe that? Or do you think you know better what is good? Every time we sin, we say, I know better. You may not say that out loud, but your actions just declared that. May God help us to humble ourselves under him and to say, God, you know what's best. You made it. (laughs) You made the earth. You made us. You know exactly how it ought to operate. And so, Lord, we trust you. I'm praying everyone here this morning can say that. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. And then we see this as we, as, we, as we continue to think about the creation. It's done in six days. Six days. It sets a pattern for humanity. Work on six days Rest on the seventh day. We're going to be learning this as we continue our study. But we work six days and we rest on the seventh day. And when we do that, we flourish. How does it work out for you when you work every day? Does it go well for you? You're just like, oh, man, so, it feels so great. I'm on day 30 with zero rest. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work out well. Why? Because you weren't created to do that. You are the creation, and you are to, if you were to have flourishing, if you are to have life, then you need to walk according to his commands. And as he's going to give them Genesis through Deuteronomy to the people of Israel and to you and I even today, there's this pattern to be set. Work on six, rest a day. Things flourish when we follow God's pattern. All right, now, I'm going to do two minutes here for the sake of your small groups this next week, and then I want to give us a close as we get ready for communion. You're like, oh, I thought we would be talking a whole lot more about days here. Like, I thought that's what this whole sermon was going to be about. Is a day a day or not? Well, hopefully you've seen, as we've been talking about, that's not really the point of the text. But let me give you three different things that Can I just say this? Godly people have believed over the last couple thousand years. Well, even the Jews before them. So, is a day a day? Some would say yes. It's a 24-hour day. Others would say, no, we believe a day is an age. That that as as we're looking at this, that, hey, the sun doesn't even show up to day four, how, how could you measure a 24-hour day? So it's actually ages that God did this, and, and God is glorified because it's, you know, he is eternal God. Billions of years are no big deal for him. And then there are people who are saying, it's really not about the days at all. It's to give us a pattern of life, and it's taking God-sized things of creation and saying, let me help you try to understand finite humanity, how I did it. And before you get into it in your small groups this week, can I just say godly people have believed each of those things? Like sometimes you're like, if people don't believe what I believe about this, I don't think they're saved. Well, number one, it's not the point of the text. But number two, not just people since Darwin have believed in old age. Not just uh, Augustine, he, guess what he believed? He was like, Six days? Too long. He just instantly created it. He just, boom, just like, boom, spoke it into existence, and boom, it was all there. Right? People have believed that kind of thing. Right? Myself, personally, <laughs> I, 
I still am the 24-hour guy, okay? I think it's six days, 24 hours. I, I don't see compelling reason not to believe that, but if you differ with me, I love you. You're a brother or sister in Christ, and we need to focus on that which is truly important, which is the things that we've been dealing with here this morning. All right? Hopefully that helps your small groups. Okay, and then lastly, he brings light to the darkness. God brings order to the chaos. He brings life to the lightless, and then he brings light to the darkness. I want to just, as we get ready for communion this morning, I want to just focus on that one element that we see is such a significant piece throughout all the scriptures. He brings light to the darkness. The first creative act of God is to say, let there be light, and light and darkness are separated. Light is such a key theme through all of the scriptures. Now again, if, you, if you're going by the created order here, sun, the sun doesn't show up to day four, so where is this light from? I believe it's emanating from the Lord. I think he's showing us in the original creation that he is the light, just as we're going to see in Revelation 22, verse 5, that in that creation, in the new creation, there is no sun or, or moon, but what? God is the light. So from Genesis right through to Revelation, we're reminded that God is light. Again, thinking about the original audience, that I should have checked this a little bit closer, but the eighth or ninth plague was darkness, right? Darkness comes over the land of Egypt. These people who are receiving this book, they had experienced that. They had seen over there, there's great darkness. The Egyptians, they don't move anywhere for three days. That's how dark it is. There is, I believe, not just material darkness, but I believe there is spiritual darkness over them as well. They do not move. Meanwhile, light for the people of Israel. As they're going through the wilderness, they had a pillar of cloud by day, and then what? They had a light given to them, a pillar of fire. We see that in Exodus 13, 21, to guide them through the wilderness. God is the God of light. Job 12, 22 Job says this to the Lord, he uncovers the deep, deeps out of darkness and brings darkness to light. Psalm 27, David said this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This idea of light, God is light, is carried all through the scriptures. And the New Testament writers pick up on that and attribute light to Christ. Flip with me quickly to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want you just to see it for yourselves. Thinking about all that we've learned this morning about who God is. That he is the one who spoke the light into the darkness. Look what it says here about Christ being the light. After he talks about the word coming into existence, verse 3, he says this. All things were made through him, verse 3. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is Christ he's speaking about. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone who has come into the world. Jesus is that light who has come into the world. John came to witness to say, this light has come into the world. The one, again, that we see in verse 3 of chapter 1 of Genesis is God. God is Christ. Christ is God. Spiritually speaking, we begin walking this life in darkness. And tragically, billions of people right now are walking in dar darkness. Flip a couple of pages over here. John 3, 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light 
so that we may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This morning, I'm praying that every single one of you are saying, I love the light. I love Jesus Christ. I believe that what he says is good is good. And I've repented of my works of darkness. And I want you just to hear this morning, if you've never done that, you can do that this morning. Maybe God is opening your eyes for the first time to see that there is a God who's over creation, that he has made you, that he is sustaining the creation even now, and that he has sent his son, that we may no longer be separate from him. Maybe you're believing the lie, well, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. But I want you to hear this morning that just one sin separates you from God. And the only way for you to be reconciled to him is through Jesus Christ. And if you would place your faith and trust in him and believe that Christ died for your sins, you can be reconciled to God and that separation be taken away. And you can be united to him. I pray that everyone can say this is my testimony, just like Paul's, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Light has shone in our hearts. The same, the same God who spoke the light into existence at creation has now shined the light in our hearts. And as such, now we are to be children of the light, 1 John 1, 5 to 7. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. God said, let there be light. And I'm praying every one of you this morning is saying, I am a child, a child of the light. The light has shone in my heart, and I walk in his ways. I believe that his ways are good. This morning, remember our God. He brought order to the chaos. He brought life to the lifeless, and he has brought light to the darkness. If you are anxious this morning, if you are worried this morning, remember that he is the God overall. And we pray for us. Lord, as we get ready to partake in communion this morning, I pray that you would help us to examine our own hearts today. God, are we clinging to darkness in any way? Lord, are we anxious or worried in any way. God, if that be the case, Lord, help us to repent of those things and place our trust firmly in you again. Lord, help us to be convinced that your ways are good. Lord, help us to, to trust in the fact that, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. And anything that we are experiencing this morning that would trouble us, Lord, that is not a big deal to you. Lord, help us to take these things to you and believing and knowing that, Lord, you are the one who is over all creation, just as you were then, you are now. Lord, we pray that if there be anyone here this morning who is still in darkness, Lord, would you help them to see that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that, Lord, if they would just repent and place their trust in you today, they could, too could be reconciled to you and become a children of light. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.